This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankowski. In 1998, the legislature established the Capital City Economic Development Authority, or CCEDA, to plan, manage, and oversee six Hartford redevelopment projects. The projects included a convention center and sports megaplex, a downtown higher education center, up to 1,000 housing units, civic center renovations, expanded downtown parking, and riverfront improvements. They were somewhat grandly labeled the six pillars of Hartford, and they were, depending on your point of view, hailed as a much-needed investment in the state's struggling capital city, or panned as an overreaching silver bullet project that turned its back on the city's neighborhoods. These goals have pretty much been met, and in 2012, the CCEDA became the Capital Region Development Authority, or CRDA. Today, we're going to take a look back at those projects and ask the questions, what did they do for Hartford, the state of Connecticut? Who benefited? Where are we now with these six pillars and what's coming up next? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Again, 860-275-7266. Comment on our website, wnpr.org slash where we live. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Joining us in studio to help answer some of these questions are Tom Condon, who writes about urban and regional issues for the Connecticut Mirror. He covered these same issues during his 45-year career as a reporter, columnist, and editorial writer for the Hartford Current. Tom, good to see you once again. Thank you, John. Good to see you. Also in studio this morning is Norm Garrick. He's an associate professor of transportation and engineering at the University of Connecticut. We love to talk about transportation and other downtown stuff with Norm. It's good to have you back, Norm. Good morning, John. Uh, Before we get into some of the back and forth about this, let's just reset the ground work here. I was thinking about these six pillars, Tom, and and I remembered the term, and I'd sort of forgotten about what they were supposed to do for Hartford. Why don't you remind our listeners what exactly these six pillars were? Well, it, uh, it, good you should ask. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, many people thought they were a, a, a you know a silver bullet, uh, you know piece of uh, magic that would uh, that would redevelop Hartford. That wasn't really the goal. They they were supposed to be pillars, which is to say building blocks upon which further development would be built. And and uh, so the idea, I mean, the you know the idea was that they would that we would put these these various things in place. Which which then would trigger further development and and a greater you know a greater growth in the city. Okay, so these pillars it, it, we talked about housing, we talked about a convention center, uh, recapturing the riverfront in some way. Th- these are things that I, I think we can all agree probably made made and make some sense for for the city. Were these the right projects, the right pillars upon which to build a, a kind of revitalized city of Hartford? Um, yes and no. Um, they're all. I, I mean, Norm may, may argue about the about the amount of parking that was built, uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I mean, saving the G Fox building was a tremendous asset for downtown. The city needed a convention center, mostly because it need, it needed more meeting space. Uh, um, you know, the science center is a good thing; sends a good message, good for kids. Uh, you know, a good uh, a good urban asset. Uh, there needed to be more downtown housing, which has been which has been very successful. So, yeah, all all good things. Now, it 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 still did not address the fundamental structural problem that holds Hartford back, which is uh, it, it is too small. It, it, we have a property tax system, and we have a city without any property. So uh, Hartford can't support itself. The six pillars didn't change that fundamental structure, nor did it bring a vast number of good-paying jobs to the city. So, I mean, it, I mean, there were people at the time arguing 
you know, what we really ought to have is a manufacturing plant or some, you know, some other some other job creating entity. Now, you could argue that that the amenities will draw, you know, interest in private companies, improve lifestyle and all of that. Um, so it's still an open question. You know, one of the things that it was meant to target, I think, when you talk about parking spaces, when you talk about a convention center, you talk about improvements to the civic center, a sports megaplex. All these things point to one of the issues that many residents of the city of Hartford have long had, which is the projects are aimed at bringing people in to spend some money and spend some time and then leave, essentially, and sure. not really live there and be part of the community. That that was really at the heart of all of these six pillars. And in some ways, Tom, it really hasn't changed. I mean, look at what they're building downtown now, a new baseball stadium for people to come in and, you know, leave some money and go away. What are your thoughts about those sorts of projects as the centerpiece of uh, a replanning for a city that really, as you say, doesn't have enough land to, to tax, doesn't have enough uh, uh, places that are actually thriving on their own? Well, I would, uh, you know, the the city-suburb distinction in Hartford and Greater Hartford is much more severe than it ought to be. I mean, this all, look, we're all part of the same uh, metropolitan region, and it is the metropolitan region that is the economic driver here. I mean, this this distinction is artificial, and it shouldn't exist, um, but it does uh, because of our ancient history and for other reasons. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the housing was good for uh, was good for downtown, and there is some some neighborhood housing did come out of the project. Uh, Capital Community College being downtown is good for the city and, and puts feet on the street. Yukon coming downtown, although it wasn't directly part of this project, is a good thing. But yeah, it it it, it does it it, uh, it it creates uh, it, you know it creates amenities for people in the suburbs. Well, uh, you know, it's just the this is the core of a of a 1.2 million person metropolitan region. It ought to have a good strong core with a variety of stuff in it. And one of the good things that the six pillars did was expand the footprint of downtown. Uh, the the idiotic decision to run I-84 through the middle of downtown Hartford clipped it to to where downtown was a six by eight block uh, area. It was too too small, and and uh, the Adrian's Landing part of the six pillars expanded downtown to the toward the size it ought to be for the center of a region of this size. Norm Garrick, how about you? As you've reflected back on these six pillars, what are some of the, the strongest ideas here and some of the ideas that you wish we hadn't have pursued? Well, I think there were some good ideas in it, and I agree with Tom about um, G-Fox. I think that was really an important uh, move to save that, that, that amazing building. I think things like that was good, also um, having a convention center. The problem with some of what was built was not some of that in the nature of what was built, but how they were built. We have a convention center that seems to have very little to do with the city. It, it essentially turns its back on the city. We have the, um, the, the science museum. You, you, um, it has a fake ground floor um, level that really doesn't function as an entrance. So again, you're, you're in there and you, you, it's as if you're not in the city or in, on some other planet. Well, when you look at projects like that, the, the, what you're essentially saying, Norm, is there's a difference between the intention behind them and, and, how, and how they were built. Maybe part of what we're looking at here is, is 
some of the politics and the things that were happening at the time, that convention center came, uh, you know, as as part of a big building project that was supposed to include a, a football stadium and a whole bunch of other things that, that never happened. Are, are you saying essentially that the, the decisions that were made ended up in buildings that probably shouldn't have been there or should have been maybe someplace else in, in the city? Well, it goes back to the point that you're making about what are these things for? Are they for a vibrant place that is for the citizens, for the people that live there? Or are there just places that is to attract people from outside? And I, I think seeing the city as a place, as a, a, a unique place that is important to the metropolitan areas, as opposed to just a play, playland for people from outside, I think really that's a fundamental change that needs to be had in terms of going forward in, in Hartford. T- Tom, you talked about the, the convention center, just the need for more more meeting space. Is the convention center that was built at quite some cost, is that the convention center we really needed in Hartford? Well, you, the, that, that, that's an open question. I mean, what, what, uh, it, it was interesting. It was, it was surprising to me. I mean, it, it was sold as, you know, as, you know, every big city's got a convention center, and so we have to have one, and we'll draw all these conventions. Well, we draw some. But every time I'm there, there are five or six or four or five small meetings going on, which, which said to me that when the Parkview Hilton was torn down, the city, this 25 years ago, the city lost a lot of its downtown meeting space. And so meetings were going out to the dinner theater there in East Windsor and over to the world's largest miniature golf course there in Southington. There's and, a hotel down in Cromwell <laughs> off the yeah, highway. I mean, I'm all, always all going to place. meetings there, yeah. And 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 so the <laughs> the convention center and the Marriott have have, have brought back a lot of uh, a lot of local meetings to the city and that's a good thing. Well, Norm Garrick, one of the things that I know that you want to talk about because we've talked about it on our program before is parking. I mean, uh, of the of the many pillars, one of the things that was said to be needed in Hartford was more downtown parking. Um, you've made the argument for years that if you look at maps of the city and look at the amount of available parking, our problem is not that we need more parking. It's that we, you know, we, we kind of need to use our parking facilities in a better way. We need to put more feet on the streets another way. We need to have more uh, transportation infrastructure. Tell us about the parking part of this pillar. Well, I'll go further than that and say that we need actually need much less parking in the city. Um, one of the, the um, studies that we did recently, um, we actually have been able to show that more the more more parking in a city is the more cars that come into the city so parking actually a- attracts cars and what we're trying to do in Hartford i hope is to attract people and not necessarily cars and i think we really need to rethink this relationship between cars and cities cities that seems to strive to to thrive in america are the ones that have realized that their their fate is about people and not cars. But the, I, and I just want to give out our phone number because people might want to join our conversation about the six pillars of Hartford and, and how you view them uh, You know, almost 20 years later, 860-275-7266. The problem, Norm, is always that turning point, right? Many cities have been ripped up and turned into car-first cities. New Haven was one of those cities, and it's now beginning a transformation, right, with some of the rebuilding there into a city that's not mostly reliant on cars. But it's a very hard thing to convince local, state lawmakers of because when it's built for cars, you want to make sure that you continue to thrive or, or bring people in for the, the way that the city was built now. How do you ever make that change to a city that's not a car culture? Well, you're right. It's a very, very tough thing. Um, 
but I think the evidence is overwhelming. It's um, as policymakers, if you look at any of the studies that have been done about cities, um, cities that have the most parking are the ones that are doing um, not doing well. So, um, but the other part of it is that it's not a radical thing to start making changes. We have so much, such a, a, a great capacity of parking that we can start to do small things that will, will over time start to change the, the trajectory. Um, what we had in Hartford, or what we still have, is that we are continuing to add on. We're doubling down on the problem. Tom, did you want to jump in? Well, yeah, I mean, Norm makes a great point. I mean, at one point, Hartford had more parking places than San Francisco. Well, you know, and San Francisco <laughs> was notoriously bad for you. I mean, you've got to keep circling your block and all that stuff. San Francisco is doing awfully well. Uh, you know, it's yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and, and that is a good point. Cars take up space, okay, and and it 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 isn't an efficient way to move lots of people in and out of cities. Well, I, I guess I I'm mean, want, you don't want yeah. to sacrifice the place for the means to park there. <laughs> Well, one of the things, I guess, I, before our break, I wanted to ask you to, to go back and maybe jump us, Tom, into the way back machine. And, and <laughs> you know, there were a lot of things going on in Hartford and in Connecticut back in 1998 when this plan came forward. I mean, we had a governor, John Rowland, who was kind of notorious for wanting to push forward big building projects like these. We were in the midst of a very different uh, conversation, I think, about urban planning, about car culture, about what really made sense. I mean, parking made a lot of sense for people back mm-hmm. back then. Maybe you can just tell us a little bit about the conditions on the ground at the time that got us to some of the decisions we were making. Well, you're right. I mean, uh, the, there was, uh, I, I mean, I think, it, uh, you know, until research by Norman and uh, Donald Shoup in California and stuff, it, it, it was sort of accepted that we had to have these vast fields of parking. I mean, since the 1950s, Hartford, Hartford has, was, has been tearing down buildings for surface parking lots. And one of the major projects in the Six Pillars was that vast parking garage and other and and you know I mean thousands of parking places. Um, it, it's been rethought since then. I mean, there's shared parking. There is mass transit. Um, the new zoning code in Hartford took away the the uh, minimum parking requirements from from new buildings. And it'll be interesting to see how developers respond to that. But yeah, it was a different. I mean, there was the it, you know it was all cars all the time. <laughs> when we come back from a break, we're going to be talking more about the role that sports plays in all this, and whether or not the XL Center is something that's uh, really benefited over the years from these six pillars projects that that started uh, about twenty years ago, a little less than that. Tom Condon writes about urban and regional issues for the Connecticut Mirror. Norm Garrick is associate professor of transportation and engineering at the University of Connecticut. If you want to join us, eight six zero two seven five seven. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm John Dankosky. Today on the program, we're remembering the six pillars of Hartford. These were projects that were meant to be intertwined and were meant to be the building blocks for a revitalized city of Hartford. A lot of these projects have been done over the last 20 years. The question is, were they the right projects at the time, and what have they done for Hartford, for residents of the city, and for the rest of the state? Tom Condon has written about urban and regional issues for years for the Hartford Current. He now writes about them for the Connecticut Mirror. Norm Garrick is Associate Professor of Transportation and Engineering at the University of Connecticut. Before we get to some phone callers and some other guests, I just want to ask you about that, Tom. This, mm-hmm. this was a state project. This was something that wasn't generated at the city level, and that's really important, not just because 
the city didn't have a whole lot of say in what was being built, right. and I mean city government, but also the people in the neighborhoods. I remember talking to them at the time mm-hmm. and feeling like there are cranes in downtown Hartford that I can see from my home in the North End, and they're no, doing nothing for me. So talk about the city-state problem here. Well, that, uh, that, that's right. It, it, uh, the, state, the state came in and Governor Rowland and said, you know, I'm, I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to do a lot for the cities. Here I am. Here's, you know, here's my project. Step out of the way. I'm going to, I'm going to straighten this whole mess out. And it, it, it does reflect the, the relationship uh, between the, the city and the state. And, 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 and in fact, the city is largely dependent on the state. I mean, it, and that remains so to this day. And, and that relationship, I don't think is well understood. Um, I, I don't think a lot of people in the suburbs realize how much they're subsidizing the city. I mean, Hartford, Hartford only raises about 35% of the money that it spends. The rest of it, I mean, we're talking north of $300 million, comes from the state, little from the feds. Um, so they, there, is this, there, there is this odd, I don't know, odd unusual city-state relationship. We, we, you know, we sort of live with the myth that the cities are independent and self-sustaining. That's nonsense, not even close to being true. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's well understood. Somebody who might have some insight on this uh, calling us up here is Larry Deutsch, a city council member from Hartford. Hey, Larry. Good morning. Hi, what's I, on your mind? Uh, not so good in Hartford, as you know. And, of course, it's dependent on outside funding. Look, I think in terms of the uh, the automobile domination and so on, it's well known in the uh, years ago GM influenced against public transportation for the automobile industry. I wonder if you would call this, your speakers could address the parking interest and what is the influence over the political process of pro-park lads and so on that may well influence city policy in favor of parking rather than public transportation. Hey, Larry, thank you so much for that. And Norm Garrick, this is a big piece of it. I mean, people don't build parking spaces because, you know, it's easier to do. They do it because there's money to be made in parking. What Larry's saying is there's a lot of interests who have a lot of money vested in the idea that parking, surface parking lots, is a, is a good business deal for them. I agree. And I think um, the worst part of it is that the city actually incentivizes um, a lot of the parking because of the, the way that the, sta- the tax structure this tax is structured. It's actually, in a lot of cases, better to take down a building and to make it into a parking lot than keep it in operation. I, I remember the big um, to-do about the, the building um, that used to be, that used to host a, a piano store, and, and that building was threatened to be taken down to be put into parking. So, so there is a, um, a lot of incentive to do the wrong things that is based on how we tax property in, in, in the city. That, 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 that's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> 410 Asylum was going to be demolished for, par- uh, you know, for a parking lot because the way the property assessment is, it's something like 80% building and 20% land. And if you flip that around, as a number of cities in Pennsylvania do, maybe you get a different result. People will develop, develop the land instead of putting a surface parking lot on it. Just as a side note, remember when, the, when there were piano stores in downtowns? That's oh. interesting. It's a <laughs> there was a sheet music store in downtown Hartford. <laughs> Trust me, that's a whole different program. Josh is in Hartford. Hi, Josh. Hey, I'm sort of adding to this notion of the imposition of a plan from outside the city. It seems to me like all the emphasis on parking and all these attractions inside the city is rooted in a sense of the city's dangerous for outsiders. The idea that people have to come into somewhere close to where they're going, park in a secure location, not walk on the street very far, 
and then get out. And then if they had to park and take a shuttle, it would be some tragedy. Now, I personally think that idea is probably rooted in some deep racism and other things, but it seems to control so much of this development conversation. Mm. Josh, thank you. I think you raise an interesting point. We're getting a lot of tweets along these same lines. Uh, a tweet from Overconfident Woman says, I drive into Hartford from New London. I hate parking in Hartford. I'd love to park outside Hartford and take a shuttle. Uh, Kelly says, Hartford's an, an hour away from me. I'd like to know that there is parking and that I won't have to walk a mile to my destination. Um, and also from Wes, if more public transportation were available to Hartford from the New Haven area, would that help with parking and traffic issues? I'll get back to parking in just a moment. I want to bring in Mike Freemuth, who's executive director of the Capital Region Development Authority of Hartford. We were talking about the, the panel that was put together, the organization that was put together to oversee these six pillars. It's turned into the CRDA, and Mike joins us by phone. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Hey, so what is still missing out of these six pillars? We've said most of these things have gotten built. I mean, yeah, there was no football stadium for the Patriots. That's a whole different story. <laughs> but what's what else is still missing from this right now? Well, I think uh, for most people, the definition of a city is residential and retail. Um, and that, in turn, helps drive the, the commercial marketplace. And we've been talking around and around about public projects. Uh, what we're trying to do today, as opposed to perhaps a little bit in the last few years, is we're trying to stimulate private investment by leveraging public dollars. The thought process on that is very simple. Dollar goes much further. Uh, public funds are stressed. But more critically, you have to start building the tax base uh, to go to Tom's point about the property tax being so deficient in Hartford, uh, not because of its rate, but because of the, um, the volume and value of real estate that's in the city. So what we've been trying to do is put more people in, uh, get away from that coming into town and leaving uh, mentality, uh, to attract the young, uh, which the corporate towers want, and to reposition property, not to bulldoze it and build parking lots, uh, though that seems a hell of a lot easier some days than rehabbing these buildings. Uh, but we're converting uh, uh, commercial properties that no longer have a commercial use uh, into residential. And by doing so, uh, we're reestablishing the value of those buildings, their economic uh, base to the city, and we're absorbing some of the overhang in the commercial marketplace, which in turn uh, pushes up the rates and the occupancies and the value of the existing commercial towers. So in some ways, we're trying to absorb the overhang uh, to put people in the streets. Uh, we've put about 1,100 units in downtown in the last year to 18 months. Um, there's some concern about the absorption rate and the impact on rents, but to date they're all outperforming our forecast, which speaks to the desire of a new demographic that wants to be in Hartford. Um, over 80% of the tenants coming in are, are new to the city, overwhelmingly young. Uh, these are the people that Travelers and Aetna and United Healthcare want to hire. Uh, these are the people who invest in the community, uh, both politically and economically. These are the people who will drive retail. So, um, uh, but but they're they, also yeah. intrigued with the XL Center, haven't been there. They're intrigued with the Science Center, the Antonium, and all these other instruments, the schools, the colleges, the riverfront. All those things were, to go back to your point, fundamental building blocks that now we're trying to capitalize on. And I want to get to the XL Center in a moment, but you know, one question that people have raised for years is, so you bring more people into downtown, and there's already thousands of people living in the neighborhoods, and there's not like a, a supermarket to buy food at. I mean, don't you, need a, don't you need a place for people to shop for food? You know, I think that's, uh, look, this supermarket thing is so much urban folklore. Uh, first of all, people downtown, moving downtown, they, they, many of them do have cars. And they get in them, they drive out to the stop and shop. I mean, but the fundamental is different. No one's 
stocking up pantries in urban living, at least not in the downtown. The, the apartments are designed differently. They're designed for people to go out, and, and, and frankly, they eat out more often. They buy convenience foods that are already pre-prepared. They don't stock up with 400 rolls of uh, you know, toilet paper like uh, some suburban mom will. The, the whole attitude is different about what you need to shop for. The grocery store concept, we still need to have, yes, that food service, but it has to reach a critical mass to sustain it. We haven't yet gotten there. The, everything I've read, uh, what I've learned, uh, people's conversations has been, you need about 5,000 people within a concentric circle around a grocery store to sustain what is a very thin margin business. We haven't reached that yet. Mm, Norm Garrick, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, um, well, there might be 5,000 people downtown or less, but it's a city of 125,000 people um, and that doesn't have supermarkets. Uh, we do need supermarkets. We, the, the very purpose of a city and cities that strive are the ones that where you can live without a car. You don't need to drive to the suburb for anything. I think these are really fundamental things about um, city life that, that we have to look into if, if Hartford is ever going to make any progress. Yes, but I, I would agree to you to a point. Uh, we're not going to build an 80,000-square-foot grocery store. People don't carry 10 bags of groceries down the street. They buy convenience. What we have to do is build a smaller, smarter urban market, uh, much along the lines of the old marketplaces that were in the cities, where people buy uh, as they need, uh, but they need staples. Uh, they need some basic, uh, you know, household goods. And we need to find a way of, of delivering that. Um, but it's not going to be a superstore. It's not going to be an 80,000-square-foot grocery store downtown. Land is too expensive. Parking demands of those things are Looney Tunes. And it's not because people want to walk versus drive. It's because they want to haul. And that just doesn't work in an urban setting. Uh, Mike Freemuth is executive director of the Capital Region Development Authority of Hartford. Hey, Mike, can you hang on with us for a couple minutes? Because I really want to talk about the Excel Center. Can you, can you hold for a second? Sure thing. I, I want to also uh, thank Tom Condon and Norm Garrick. They're going to stay with us as well. Right now, what we're going to do is go to some colleagues in the other room. They're going to tell you about why you should support public radio. And conversations just like this. I mean, when we think about building and rebuilding our cities or our suburbs or our roads, conversations like this are really important. And we try to have them as often as possible on WNPR. If you can support these conversations, It'll go a long way toward making us stronger. Here's how you can help. This is Where We Live. I'm John Dankosky. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Connecticut's no longer just a presidential campaign ATM machine. Republican frontrunner Donald Trump campaigned in Hartford last week. Hillary Clinton and John Kasich have public events scheduled. Our weekly news roundtable, The Wheelhouse, will discuss the state's role in the nomination process. And we'll get an update on what's happening at the state capitol as the legislative session comes to a close in two weeks. That's tomorrow's show. Now, coming up this afternoon on The Colin McEnroe Show, most cities would be thrilled to have a major or minor league sports franchise come to town. Will it bring crowds and new businesses and prosperity? Well, Colin wonders about this. He talked to panelists about the benefits and costs of professional sports. The event was held last week as part of Colin's Freshly Squeezed series at Watkinson School. We're going to tell you about it. It's a very interesting conversation coming up at 1 o'clock today on the Colin McEnroe Show, and it's very much linked with our conversation today with Tom Condon from the Connecticut Mirror, Norm Garrick from the University of Connecticut. We're remembering the six pillars of Hartford a big plan to revitalize the city built on several pillars, a few of which included our sports uh, facilities. Um, before we uh, get to our next thing, I want to bring back Mike Freemuth. Um, uh, Mike Freemuth was talking to us before about some of the other projects that have and haven't gotten done. He's executive director of the Capital Region Development Authority of Hartford. Mike, I just want to bring you back in to talk about the Excel Center. At the time of the six pillars, there was this thought that the 
New England Patriots are going to come downtown, and we're going to have a, a big football stadium. And, of course, that never came to be. Uh, over the years, we've had some money spent, millions of dollars spent, on revitalizing in some small way the Excel Center. But I think many, many people who worry about the fact that we lost the Hartford Whalers and that maybe the Excel Center hasn't kept up with the times as far as top-notch sporting and event facilities wonder why we haven't focused more on a downtown arena where you could have everything from UConn women's basketball to a Bruce Springsteen concert. Uh, have we spent enough money and enough time on the Excel Center or something like it? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love those. Yeah, uh, they're fun for uh, me. <laughs> probably about 20 different ways you can run with that one. Um, well, look, here's, here's what we do know. Um, the building is uh, tired and uh, far out of date with its competitors. Um, when it was built, um, it uh, goes back to the era of uh, basically glorified gyms. Um, and essentially that's the character it's kept. Uh, what happens in today's big arenas is their entertainment palaces, um, food, uh, types of seating, clubs, uh, video, um, audio entertainment that is far beyond our capacity at the current um, Civic Center. For the building to be competitive, uh, to attract concerts, uh, it all has to be updated. Uh, we, we did some work in it over the last year and a half where we basically refreshed uh, a lot of the concessions, and, and we built a little club to kind of get into the market a little bit with that element. Um, but the, the skyboxes are, are of little use or interest to people today. Uh, there's certainly a deficiency in points of sale where we make our money, um, you know, in the bathroom lines. But more critically is, is that the basic infrastructure of the building is tired. It's worn out. It's no longer efficient. And so it all costs us a lot of money. So you have a lot of things moving around in this building. It does need to be transformed. Um, now, that's a big-ticket item in the days when our budgets aren't allowing for such a thing. We've proposed transforming as opposed to replacing. We've been advised that that can be done by some of the top-notch designers in the business, guys who rebooted the MSG, for instance. Uh, so we know we can get it done. We know what the building will allow for it. In, in, the marketplace is pretty good, actually, in spite of the Whaler history. The marketplace is better than many NHL cities. Uh, there's some 80,000 UConn alumni within 30 minutes of the building. Uh, so the UConn uh, program, basketball, hockey, as well as some level of professional sports, will have a level of success. The trick is to get more money off the building. Now, that's an investment that not everybody wants to make just yet. Mm. Uh, Tom Conant, any thoughts about this? I mean, about the, the viability of the current building and what it might mean for the city if we actually dive in and, and, and for the state, really, if we built a new facility that was really up to all these snuffs that Mike's talking about here. Well, I, uh, I think Mike's right. Um, uh, you know, putting, this, <clears throat> putting the Civic Center downtown initially, this back in the 70s, which was controversial. People wanted to put it in the South Meadows, drive in, drive out again, was actually, <clears throat> was actually a really smart move. It, and it really did for a long time and continually bring life to downtown Hartford. That, that is correct. I mean, you know, bars and clubs and people on the street and all this kind of thing. It, it, it did what it was supposed to do, and it still can. But, but uh, he's, he's absolutely right. The, the, uh, they don't build them like the Roman Coliseum anymore. <laughs> I know. Tom just got back from Rome. This is his point of reference. <laughs> any, any thoughts, Norm? Yes. Um, so we've been talking about a plan from the 1990s. And I think what we need to do a little bit is to look forward 
And I've been thinking about what a six pillars for Hartford going into the next decade would look like. And I think we need to start thinking about the city in a different way and to think about the importance of cities. We just lost GE and we are now talking about some of the reasons, including the fact that we don't have urban places that we can attract people to. So my six pillars for the coming decade would be to reintegrate downtown to the neighborhoods. We cannot continue to talk about downtown as if it's separate from the rest of the city. We need to nurture small and local businesses. We need to develop the neighborhood centers, West Hartford, um, the centers in the south end, um, places like that. Uh, We need to talk about parking and the, the, the very negative impact parking has had on the city and how we can start to turn around that. There is a lot of element to that. We need to talk about transit um, and not just as big bang projects like the, the the fast track, but how we can make transit better, the life of people living in the city better. And also, when we talk about our uh, architectural heritage, we also need to talk about how we can save more of the buildings that are in the city right now and um, stop the demolition of buildings. So it's a, I really think... If we can have a positive vision for Hartford going forward, I think we can see a, a very different city in the not too near future. Well, I, I want to actually turn some of uh, Norm's Six Pillars ideas to Doug Sussman, who's principal of Sussman uh, Urban Design in Santa Monica, California. One of his current projects is the iQuilt Cultural District Plan for downtown Hartford. He's thought and worked a lot on issues just like this. And, Doug, welcome back to the show. Thanks, John. Great to be with you all. I, I, as you listen to, to Norm Garrick's uh, future six pillars, does some of those sound about right to you? Do you want to add any to those? No, no I agree. In fact, I was thinking that the, the whole concept of the six pillars was in many ways laudable and ambitious. But just using even the idea of pillars, you know, suggested we're going to be that it was all about building big monumental things. And that was the way a lot of cities went about revitalizing themselves in their downtowns and, and has been. But I think as we look at successful downtowns and cities across the country, we're realizing that that is not really always the right way. In fact, a lot of the big projects turn into white elephants. So instead of pillars, I think cities have been looking for, uh, pillar, looking for strategies. And so maybe we need six strategies. I think Norm outlined them pretty well. And Obviously, we also have less money to to work with now than we did. We have to be smarter and, and get more out of smaller investments. And I think what Mike and CRDA have been doing is a fantastic example of taking a relatively small amount of money and using it very strategically to stimulate housing and, and, um, and so forth. So we do have the benefit of the six pillars in terms of what, we, what, we, uh, what we're left with. But what that tends to do is overlook what you had to begin with. And I think that's, that's the real question. What did the six pillars bring? But what was overlooked in the, in, in the focus on, on these large projects like the Convention Center? Well, as you talk about strategies, maybe six or more strategies, Doug, into the future, I know one of the things you and others have been doing is looking at places where this has worked. I'm, I'm Always proud to say, whenever uh, my home city of Pittsburgh is used as a model, you've you found some things about about Pittsburgh and some other cities that maybe you could use here in Hartford. Well, you'll be even prouder because Pittsburgh is really where the iQuilt idea was was uh, was born in a way. Uh, one of the strategies that really developed out of necessity on the north side of Pittsburgh, where we worked for a number of years with 
the cultural institutions there, led by uh, Jane Werner at the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh, and in in uh, in a consortium she built with the Andy Warhol Museum and the Carnegie Science Center and other arts institutions, was a recognition that big government projects couldn't really deliver cities. That cities are complicated, and 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 making them the places we want them to be requires everyone's participation. At the time in Pittsburgh, the, the iCode started about really conceptually about eight years ago. So about ten years ago in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh city government was not working well. Uh, there was uh, the economy was sluggish, and those cultural institutions on the north side of Pittsburgh realized the city's not going to come in with you know six pillars or two pillars or even one pillar to save us. Uh, the private sector is not investing, and the housing market would soon collapse uh, after that. But we're here as cultural institutions. We're committed to the city. We're committed to the place we are. And it really matters to us and our visitors what kind of experience uh, people have when they come, come and see us. So they got together and said, well, we'll we're going we're gonna to envision what the north side of Pittsburgh could be as a place with a lot of great parks and cultural institutions that has its challenges and so it was driven by the cultural institutions. Mm. And that's why we call the iQuilt a culture-based urban design plan, because it really started with one cultural institution, with, with the Bushnell Center for the Performing Arts in, in Hartford. And, um, you know, I grew up going to the symphony at the Bushnell, so I had a lot of affection for the place. But when, when they called, it was with some alarm at being surrounded by you know, a, the sea of parking that uh, that Norm Garrick has so well documented and that has decimated Hartford. On the one hand, that sea of parking was fantastic for the Bushnell because the state has always made it available for its patrons, and it's, it's a lifeline. At the same time, it created a pretty a desolate environment all around the Bushnell. So the Bushnell was thinking, what can we do? We want to create a kind of culture district around us. We want it to be a place where you can have dinner and people can walk and, and even live a full, full-fledged full 24-hour cultural district. And I think, you know, my response at the time was that's a wonderful goal, but the Bushnell can't fix that by itself because it's really, it's really a district-wide problem. So mm-hmm. that's when we banded together with the Greater Hartford Arts Council and the Athenaeum and the Hartford Stage Company and Real Artways and all of the great arts institutions downtown and, and in Hartford generally and said, we ought to recognize this one thing. Yes, we have a convention center now, and that's great, <clears throat> but convention centers have been shown, they don't, they don't generally save cities. I mean, mm. they're... Well, I, and, and I want to turn the, the, to Tom Condon, because this, this <clears throat> idea of turning it kind of on its head, you know, we, mm. we talked about Six Pillars being a state-down project, the city not even necessarily involved. Uh, Doug's talking about the most bottom-up kind of projects, the cultural institutions, the ones that always seem to be striving to get uh, dollars, mm-hmm. they're pulling together in some places. Is that, a, for you, Tom, a, a prescription for a better, more vibrant city? Oh, sure. I mean, the, the, well, cities are complicated, and, and, and Doug is right. And one of the one of the problems in Hartford is that there's no real urbanism around the state capital. I mean, and, uh, 
some some people have argued. Robert Orr, uh, Doug knows, ha- has argued that the legislative process would work better if they had some restaurants and bars to go to, and uh, it's they, it's true in some cities. Um, yeah, I know. I they, what they've done. What they've done here is, it, you know, it, it again. It's it, it's sort of intelligent small ball. You know, we've got these great cultural institutions. Draw them together, and and the sum is greater than the individual parts. Is that right, Doug? Yes, and you know, people think. I mean, it, it's very small ball. Some of it is just making a you know a nice sidewalk, a nice place to walk, a nice park, a, a, a sign that a map that tells you mm-hmm. where things are. But it's also at the same time a large strategy which recognizes that two things: one, that you have to work with what your assets are. And Hartford, whatever its challenges, and it has it has had many and is dealing with them, but also has punches way above its weight on arts and culture in all the rankings. I mean, we, we just have this outsized set of assets in these cultural institutions downtown. So any anybody trying to, to win any game, you know, you take advantage of what, what you're strongest at. Well, so Hartford well, was very strong on that. It, and the it, other was... Go ahead quickly. Oh, okay, sure. Well, just just to make it to create public space that makes people want to linger and be uh, be in those places and connect to them. So that's we can get to what what we've done with that. But that was the strategy. Uh, Doug Sussman is principal of Sussman Urban Design in Santa Monica. One of his current projects is the Iquilt Cultural District Plan. Thank you so much, Doug. I also want to thank uh, Mike Freemuth, who joined us, the executive director of the Capital Region Development Authority of Hartford. Our friends Tom Condon from the Connecticut Mirror, Norm Garrick from the University of Connecticut. There's lots more to talk about on this, oh. as always, but it was a lot of fun to have this conversation. And it's always fun to have conversations with you on where we live. We bring you this program so we can share ideas like this. Now I'm, we're going to share the phone number so you can helpfully support some of these ideas here on WNPR. Thanks for joining us.